Welcome to part two of the season finale of Hollywoodland Unsolved. This is a two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to part one, I recommend that you go back and listen to that first before continuing with this episode. Trust me, everything will make a whole lot more sense. And now, let's go to the show. Please note that this case is one of the more graphic cases discussed on the show and may be frightening to listeners under the age of 13, so listener discretion is advised. On the morning of January 15, 1947, the mutilated body of a young woman was found on a vacant lot. The body was severed at the waist and appeared to be laid out carefully, as though she was basking in the Southern California sun. There were also three-inch gashes cut into her face, causing her to have a permanent smile. The dark hair of the woman was framing her delicate features, and her body was stoic and completely white, perfectly drained of blood. Her breasts had been slashed, and an alleged BD had been carved into her left thigh. The body belonged to an aspiring actress with raven black hair and a reputation in the Los Angeles party scene. Her name was Elizabeth Short. I'm your host, Ansley, and welcome to Hollywoodland Unsolved, and part two of the investigation into the murder of the Black Dahlia. Last episode, we talked about who Elizabeth Short was and who the conventional suspects are. My top two are George Hodel and Walter Bailey. Both medical men, both had knowledge to cut the body with precision, neither were deeply investigated. We'll look at them again later in this episode. Now we're going to look at some theories that aren't as widely talked about. The potential of a woman being a killer, the Black Dahlia murder being part of a series of murders from one serial killer, and if a male was the killer, who was it and why? So let's start with the first unconventional idea. Could a woman have killed Elizabeth Short? This theory has become more popular in recent years, and I think it's worth looking into. Around the time of Short's murder, there were three prominent women murderesses on the scene. Louise Pete, Winnie Ruth Judd, and Clara Phillips. Louise Pete was the first woman to be given the death penalty in California, and committed a string of murders throughout the 1920s. She was arrested, did time, was released, then committed another murder. She was executed in April of 1947. The next is Winnie Ruth Judd. Quote, Winnie Ruth Judd committed two murders in Arizona. She was busted in L.A. when a trunk containing the dismembered remains of her two victims began to get a little ripe and leaked bodily fluids in the baggage claim section of a local train station. End quote. It's quite a way to get busted if you ask me. And finally, there's Clara Phillips. Phillips was arrested for killing a woman who she thought was coming on to her husband. She struck the woman multiple times with a hammer and then rolled a 50-pound boulder on top of her body. So what do these three ladies have to do with the murder of the Black Dahlia? In researching these three women, none of them were really questioned in the killing of Elizabeth Short, and their whereabouts couldn't really be accounted for on the night of Short's murder, nor were they really looked into. What I think is interesting is that all of these women committed crimes before Short's murder, but maybe there was another woman murderess that the LAPD never looked at? So the idea that a woman could have been the murderer holds up on some aspects. A newspaper in LA did a whole profile about how an older woman very well could have killed Short. But if you ask me, I don't think that's what happened. 
the second unconventional idea, could the Black Dahlia have been the victim of a serial killer? There were a number of deaths before and after Short's murder that to this day have yet to be solved. This could be an episode all in itself, but I'm going to try to condense it as much as possible. Starting with the mysterious death of Georgette Bauerdorf, an American heiress who was found murdered in her bathtub in 1944. She had dark hair, just like Elizabeth Short, and was around the same age. She was murdered in West Hollywood, and her murder has never been solved. The link between Bauerdorf and Short is most clearly the Hollywood Canteen, which has been described as, quote, the famous nightclub created by Bette Davis and John Garfield that allowed servicemen to eat and be entertained for free while served by staff of Hollywood Noble, end quote. Both were junior hostesses there in the 40s. Both had dark hair. Both were friendly with men. In the early hours of October 12, 1944, the couple living below Bauerdorf heard heels clicking and what they described as a tray hitting the ground. Around 2.30 a.m., they heard Georgette scream, Stop! You're killing me! Her body was found in the bathtub the next morning by Georgette's maid. She was brutally raped, and the official cause of death was strangulation. Georgette's car was found miles from her apartment, out of gas and empty. The case quickly went cold. I've included her apartment on this episode's map, and her actual apartment was up for rent not too long ago. There are a few similarities between Georgette Bauerdorf and Elizabeth Short that have caused people to speculate a correlation between the two. For one, they both worked at the Hollywood Canteen as junior hostesses. Two, they were around the same age. Three, they had dark hair. Four, they were very friendly with men. This led the police to think initially that both Bauerdorf and Short's murder were someone in the service or someone that they'd met at the Hollywood Canteen. This is the most strikingly similar case to the Black Dahlia and kicks off the idea of a serial killer. If you want more information on the idea that the Black Dahlia murder was part of a serial killing, I recommend you check out the podcast Hollywood and Crime from Wondery. They look into multiple murders that could all be linked to the Black Dahlia murder. They were all women. They all had dark hair. They were all nude or partially nude. All of their personal items were taken and they were left in public places where they were sure to be found. It is a really interesting theory, and one that I think could hold up against some of the suspects that we've already looked at in the episode before. I'll link the podcast in the show notes because I think it's really well done and worth a listen. I want to talk about Elizabeth Short's life in Hollywood for a minute. She was in Los Angeles for only four months before she was murdered, and she moved eight times in those four months. She's been described by those who were close to her or those that she lived with, as her being, quote, lazy, and that she didn't want to lift a finger. But in contrast, she's been described by lovers and former boyfriends as being able to get the best table at a packed restaurant and always put together. This strikes me as really interesting because the idea of a near-broke wannabe actress that Short was at home is so different from the polished, elegant lady that she presented when she was with the men that she associated with. Could that be a clue? In the months before her murder, Short had fallen on unusually hard times. CrimeMagazine.com says, quote, On December 8th, she took the Greyhound bus south to San Diego. Later that day, she fell asleep in the Aztec Picture Theater and was awakened by Dorothy French, a 21-year-old cashier and usherette. Short spent a month living with Dorothy 
and her mother Elvira and younger brother Corey in their home in Pacific Beach, just north of the city limits. During this time, she dated a number of men, one of whom was Robert Red Manley, a 26-year-old traveling salesman from Huntington Park in Los Angeles. On January 9, 1947, it would be Robert Red Manley who would drive Elizabeth Short back to Los Angeles and let her off at the Biltmore Hotel, end quote. So there we have the introduction of Red, who we know supposedly left her at the Biltmore Hotel and that she was waiting on a call from another lover, perhaps? We know that Red was cleared as a suspect early on in the investigation, but that Short's murder would haunt him for the rest of his life. I wonder if he knew more than he ever let on, but couldn't come forward for fear of looking guilty or associated. What I think is interesting is that I found in my research that the case files, not the evidence, because those are all missing, but the four filing cabinets of case files are all still sealed. They're not open to the public and they have never been shared or disclosed. Which makes me wonder, yes, this is a cold case that could be reopened at any minute, but it's over 70 years old and there's no evidence left. So they say. Which leads me to my next suspect, the most widely accepted as the murderer of Elizabeth Short, George Hodel. He was the prominent surgeon who owned the Frank Lloyd Wright house that looked like a Mayan replica on Franklin Avenue and has been described as the number one suspect in the killing of the Black Dahlia, mainly due to his son, Steve Hodel. As I mentioned last episode, Steve believed in his father's guilt so strongly that he basically dedicated his life to proving it by working for the LAPD and writing a number of books, including the 2003 hit, The Black Dahlia Avenger. I began correspondence with Steve Hodel over a year ago. When I began researching the case, I thought that George Hodel was blaringly the most obvious suspect because there was so much information on him out there. So how was he never directly questioned? The DA had tapes of him saying, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy anyway. Now maybe they'd have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. That secretary mentioned is Ruth Spaulding. She was believed to be murdered by Hodel in 1945, but it was later determined that she committed suicide. Yet, Hodel was allegedly present during her committing suicide and burned some of her personal documents before contacting the police. Weird, right? I wanted Steve Hodel's perspective. He was the one shouting the loudest that his father was the killer despite there being no hard and fast evidence. As my research went on, I wasn't convinced that George could be pinned as the killer, but I still wanted to talk to Hodel. He agreed to do an interview back in June, and then when I reached back out to him to schedule the call, he said, quote, just in the past week, I've decided to not do any more podcast interviews, at least for the present. With four books completed with all of the new evidence and on top of all of the LAPD slash DA slash sheriff's office confirming that the case was solved and that Dr. George Hodel was the killer, I am no longer presenting BDA as another, quote, theory, end quote. We are now beyond any, quote, reasonable doubt. Currently involved in putting together a mini-series presenting all of the evidence and linkage. Need to keep my work-slash-investigation clear and free from the many myths that so many want to keep perpetrating. This is done best by disassociating my own investigation from the other, quote, theorists who are still pushing fiction from the 50s and the past, end quote. 
So Steve Hodel will not be doing an interview on this podcast, and allegedly there's a miniseries with new evidence coming out. I appreciate him getting back to me, and I look forward to hearing what he has to say. Another suspect that we haven't talked about is George Knowlton. His daughter, Janice, claimed years later that Elizabeth Short was having an affair with her father and that she was living in a makeshift room in their garage. Janice claimed that Short was a sex worker that had a miscarriage of her father's child. According to one report, Janice said, quote, she witnessed her rage-filled father beat Short to death with a claw hammer in the detached garage of the family's Westminster home. This comes almost 40 years after the slaying of Elizabeth Short and years after her father's death. So why now? Alleged repressed memories resurfaced. She later died of an overdose, but, quote, psychiatrists and experts on post-traumatic stress disorder who appear to have known Nalton during her talk show appearances, however, found her story plausible. I want to throw one more suspect out here because I think it's interesting. Patrick S. O'Reilly. O'Reilly was a medical doctor that Short knew through Mark Hansen. Remember him, the nightclub owner who Short stayed with for a bit? One account on O'Reilly states, quote, According to the Los Angeles District Attorney Files, O'Reilly was close friends with Hansen and frequented the nightclub that Hansen owned around the time of the murder. O'Reilly had also allegedly, quote, attended sex parties in Malibu with Hansen. O'Reilly had been convicted of assault with a deadly weapon for, quote, taking his secretary to a motel and sadistically beating her almost to death, apparently for no reason other than to satisfy his sexual desires without intercourse, end quote, the district attorney file stated. This meant that O'Reilly had a history of violent crimes with sexual motivation. The files noted that O'Reilly's right pectoral had been surgically removed, which was similar to the mutilation present on Elizabeth Short's body. It could be noted that O'Reilly was once married to the daughter of one of the LAPD captains, end quote. O'Reilly's name is one of 22, including George Hodel's, that the LAPD looked at as a potential killer of Elizabeth Short, but no conviction ever came of the questioning. Something to note about this case is all of the other crimes that were exposed because of it. George Hodel's secretary's supposed suicide, the case of Janice Clouton and the potential that she was part of child sex trafficking, and everything that happened with O'Reilly and his secretary. This case is so muddied and there are so many theories about what actually happened that even speculating is hard. But what I do think is this. Elizabeth Short was murdered by someone with medical knowledge. I don't think her death was premeditated. I think it was potentially a crime of passion, like in the case of Georgette Bauerdorf. Now is where I'm going to go out on a limb, so stay with me. Elizabeth Short was known to be very friendly with men and had a taste for the finer things in life. She was known to have no real roots, but dressed herself as a lady, spent many nights out, and was often swept off with men. For example, her trip to Santa Barbara with Red Manley right before she was murdered. If I had to theorize, and this is based on what I've gathered through my year of researching this case, is that Short was an escort of sorts. I don't know if she was a full-fledged prostitute, but I definitely think that she worked in that field. As far as her murder, if it was done by a medical professional such as George Hodel or Walter Bailey, I think it might be under the guise of her getting an abortion, which was illegal at that time. 
It had been speculated that both men were a part of underground abortion rings. That would give her connection to the men, as well as a location for them to do their, quote, concealed medical work, as well as deal with her dead body. Now the question is why? And this is something I don't think I can answer. Perhaps it was a crime of passion. Maybe it was a display of art or an accident. Perhaps it was a sport because the killer felt invincible. At the end of the day, this is all speculation as the murder happened over 70 years ago. And those involved are probably all long since passed and there is no current access to the evidence. But hey, maybe Steve Hodel's miniseries will shed some factual light into what actually happened to Elizabeth Short. Only time will tell, I guess. In a weird way, Elizabeth Short got what she wanted, for her name to go down in history and her legacy to be cemented in fame, but not quite how she'd envisioned it. So what are your thoughts? What do you think was the cause of the Black Dahlia's infamous death? Who was the killer and why? Tweet me at HollywoodlandPC or email me at HollywoodlandPod at gmail.com and let me know. I love hearing from you guys. As per usual, a complete reference list is included in the show notes and on the website. I want to thank you all for listening to season one of Hollywoodland Unsolved and for your emails and tweets. I have loved hearing from you guys for your theories and for this ride along this crazy passion project. It has been amazing. So cheers to next season and maybe a little surprise before then. All elements of Hollywoodland Unsolved are produced by me with graphics and maps by Brian Balzarini and music by my amazing father.